When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to the show. Start of a brand new week. It is Monday morning, the 14th of August, 2023. Hope you all had a good weekend. Daniel Petru back in the chair for what was a very exciting weekend and what is sure to be a very exciting week. Broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. one 1170 our open line number. You can text 0457 736 all before breakfast with Vossi and Brandy for listeners through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. And for listeners in Queensland, it will be Pat and Dane Zorko this morning filling in for Hills. A lot to get through on the show. We'll bring you up to speed with all the latest news in the world of sport. Uh, we'll have a look back at a really another intriguing round of results uh, in round 24 of the National Rugby League with now only three rounds to go. We'll do that in about 10 or 15 minutes. John Gallo in about half an hour will join me as well to talk all things football and we will get stuck in to the weekend of World Cup action in just a second and John will talk to me about that in about half an hour plus we'll have a quick look at the English Premier League as well lots going on over there but most importantly want to hear from you on this Monday morning one three hundred oh one eleven seventy our open line number or you can text 0457 736 736 The Hot Topic thanks to Rain. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a ream. Except nothing less than Australia's best and install a ream, Australia's favourite hot water, two past five. Now, usually at this time on a Monday morning, I'll ask you what your highlight from the weekend was. I think for most people, I probably already know what the highlight was. Saturday night in Brisbane, if you were there, uh, pulling out an early call out, but if anyone w- was there, either listing in Queensland or may have flown up, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, or 0457-736-736. That's first and foremost. If you were there, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but what an amazing occasion. Uh, 4.17 million people watching on TV uh, reached more than 6.2 million people if you throw in 7 and 7 plus. And that's not taking into account how many people were watching Firstly, at the game, then at friends' house, pubs, clubs, live sites, other f- football stadiums around the country. Uh, it was just fantastic uh, for the Matildas to win. It was nerve-wracking. It was tense, wasn't it? Uh, they had a couple of chances throughout that penalty shootout to close it a bit earlier, but they got through, and they will meet England on Wednesday night at a core stadium or Stadium Australia on, on what will be, uh, I think, we mentioned those ratings, I think it will go even higher on a Wednesday night. So where were you? Where were you watching on Saturday night? Would love to hear from you. one 1170 or 0457 It was a very bizarre experience for me. So I watched the first, well, all the main bit of it and the 90 minutes uh, before it went to extra time uh, in a pub in Paddington and then walked down to Allianz Stadium to watch the Roosters-Dolphins match. And... They had taken it off the big screen by then, but they did still have it on all the TVs around 
the back and round the concourse. There were quite a lot of people watching it. And then, of course, the NRL started basically at the same time as the penalty shootout started. And everyone, including myself, had their phones out watching that and keeping an eye on the rugby league as well. And what was quite uh, amusing was uh, when the Dolphins scored the first try of that match, about five or ten seconds later, there was just one big roar in the crowd, obviously dominated by Roosters fans, but it was because the Matildas had just made it through to the semi final. It was a fantastic atmosphere. It was replicated right around the country. We've seen it. You would have seen it on the various news bulletins. You would have seen it on social media. Just a fantastic night. Um, is it one of the greatest moments in Australian sporting history? I have seen that suggested on social media, um, and a lot of people are suggesting that. Is it the greatest moment in Australian sporting history, or will it be the greatest moment in Australian sporting history if the Matildas, in a week's time when we're talking, have won the World Cup? They've still got a couple of weeks, a couple of games to go. England on Wednesday night, and if they can get through that, then clearly the final next Sunday. Was it the greatest moment? Is it in your top three greatest Australian sporting moments? And if that wasn't the greatest Australian sporting moment, what is in your eyes? one 1170 or 457 Does it rate up there in your top three, your top five? Maybe it is the top. Will it be the top if the Matildas win? Give me some of your great Australian sporting moments. And where does this one sit in line? As I say, 4.17 million, uh, just quite amazing, plus another 472,000 viewers on 7 Plus, then Optus as well, uh, people that were listening to it here on SEN. So great Australian sporting moments, one 1170 436 Where does that sit for you? Does it sit top or is it in your top three, in your top five? And where were you watching it? And where's some of the more bizarre places you've watched a game of sport, whether it be soccer slash football, rugby league, AFL, cricket, somewhere overseas maybe? one 1170 or 457 736 As I say, just an amazing night on Saturday night. Uh, the whole country was talking about it. And then England uh, winning 2-1 in their semi-final as well. Uh, now, there will be live sites right around the country. I'm sure we'll hear more about this today. Uh, just if you are listening in Sydney uh, through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, and I'm sure there'll be similar plans in Queensland that we'll hear about as well today. Um, they are announced, and there'll be more details today about this, but obviously the game at Stadium Australia, but uh, Allianz Stadium, Sydney Football Stadium, and Combank Stadium will be opened up for the match as well on Wednesday night. Uh, the New South Wales government is making sure that as many families as possible can get to live sites to watch the action uh, with fellow Australians as we make our, through, our way through the semifinals. Uh, New South Wales Premier Chris Minns said yesterday, as a result of that, we are opening Combank and Allianz Stadium at Moore Park for families to come together and celebrate what will definitely be a victory uh, for the Matildas on Wednesday night. There will also be a, li a live site at Tumbalong Park, uh, while the sales of the Opera House will be lit up again on Wednesday night when the Matildas take on England. Plus, of course, uh, you've got the match as well at Stadium Australia if you're lucky enough to have a ticket to that. Our cricket expert on this show, Paul Dennett, texted me yesterday saying he managed to get a ticket late, so we'll definitely be having a chat with him uh, later on in the week. So, And I'm sure there were similar things in Queensland. So what do you make of it? Where were you on Saturday night? Is it one of the greatest moments in Australian sporting history? And if not, where does it sit? And where does and give me some of your other great Australian sporting moments. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy 
know, 0457 736 736. Still Kathy Freeman. Uh, when you look at TV ratings, winning uh, in the 2000 Sydney Olympics, still tops the TV ratings. 8.8 million people watch that. Uh, you don't know whether the Matildas would get to that on Sunday, but it would get close, I would say. one 736 And as I say, if you were there on Saturday in Brisbane watching the game at the stadium, would love to hear from you. one 1170 0457-736-736. We will get to your calls in just a second. Just before that, though, just a couple of rugby league bits and pieces as well for you. We mentioned on, and we'll do a wrap of round 24 of the NRL in just a second after the next break. We mentioned on Friday about Mitchell Pearce and uh, what could be happening with him. Announced that he was leaving Catalans. Well, it seems that he won't be returning next season and all indications are he is likely to shun an NRL swan song and retire uh, the 34-year-old Premiership winning and New South Wales Origin winning half has been in sparkling form, leading the Catalans to the top of the UK Super League table and on track for what would be the French team's first title. He has, of course, attracted interest from some NRL clubs, but it looks like he is going to retire. Uh, the Roosters, who were aware, aware uh, and always kept a spot open for Mitchell Pearce, have instead locked in Connor Watson to play the bench utility role for next year. Uh, Watson did have big money offers from both the Bulldogs and the West Tigers, but he has signed for the Roosters for another two years. And speaking of uh, the Roosters and the Dragons, it looks like Joey Manu uh, is going to get a big offer from the Dragons uh, when July, uh, July, when November 1 comes around, if he's not been signed up before that. Shane Flanagan, new Dragons coach, uh, is making a big play to sign Joey Manu. Uh, 27 years of age, he'll be free to negotiate with rivals come November 1 and is currently contracted until the end of 2024. Um, the move comes after Flanagan reportedly informed Zach Lomax he will compete with Terrell Sloan for the fullback spot in 2024. Joey Manu to the Dragons. Can you see it happening? I'd be surprised if the Roosters let him go, but maybe a bit of a choice there between... Tedesco and Manu. Manu probably no doubt want to play fullback. That's probably his best position, although he's a fantastic sender as well. One of the game's best. Interesting to see what they do, the Roosters, in that. I think there's going to be a conversation around that over the next few months. Tedesco or Manu, if you were, and you don't have to be a Roosters fan, but if you are a Roosters fan or you've got an opinion on it, at the end of next year, would you be keeping Manu or would you be keeping Tedesco? one 1170 or 0457 So that's just some of what's on our agenda. Great Australian sporting moments. Give me some of your great Australian sporting moments. And where does the Matilda sit on that list? one 1170 0457 Where were you watching it on Saturday night? And Tedesco or Manu? If you're in charge of a club right now, who do you keep to play fullback? Joey Manu, James Tedesco, and is Joey Manu any chance of heading to the Dragons? We'll get to your calls on the other side of this break, your texts as well, and we'll have a look back at round 24 of the NRL. Off and running for a brand new week. It's 11 past five. This is Tradies News in a nutshell. Got it past five, one 1170 We'll look back at round 24 of the National Rugby League in just a second. Before that, let's go to the open line on one 1170 Nathan from Bowen Hills is on the line. Morning to you, Nathan. Morning, mate. How are you going? Very well. How are you? How's your Monday morning? Oh. Uh, not too bad. It's sort of Sunday night for me. Mm -hmm. uh, heading home from work at the moment. Been at work overnight, so 
<laughs> yeah, don't don't blame me. Don't blame me. What are you calling up about today, mate? Um, just call about the uh, greatest Australian sporting moment yep. we've had in our great um, yep. And there's there's a few to choose. Mm. I'm, I'll start off with saying that I'm I'm not the biggest follower of soccer, but what the Matildas have done in this World Cup has drawn so many people's attention, like me. Mm. And because I think I read somewhere that that game the other day against France was had the biggest uh, TV viewings or something like that. Uh, it it was very high. It outrated uh, Ash Barty winning the Australian Open last year. Uh, outrated, I think, uh, basically every state of origin. Cathy Freeman at eight point eight million is still the most watched sporting event in Australia, uh, winning in two thousand. But yeah, four point one seven million people uh, attracted a peak audience. I think of just over six million, and that uh, as well. Nathan is not taking into account what we. Uh, don't know is how many people, and we do know is a lot, how many people would have been watching at live sites and various other sporting grounds as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. There's, um, there, was, there was about 20 of us at, at work on Saturday night all standing behind around this TV watching the penalty shootout, mm. um, which, seemed, which seemed to drag on forever. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I have to say as well, like... And, and I know this happened, I was, uh, as I said, I was at Allianz Stadium for the Roosters-Dolphins match. We saw some a lot of similar scenes at the MCG as well with the uh, AFL, the Colton-Melbourne uh, game it was, I think. It, I think. Um, and I would say probably maybe even five years ago, but definitely 10, 15 years ago, I don't think many people would be prioritising uh, the Matildas, uh, and this is just this just goes to show how well they have done and how good this World Cup has been, uh, not just from a Matildas point of view, but the crowds to basically every game has been fantastic, Nathan. And most people, as I said at the top of the show, were on their phones watching the football, paying more attention to that than the actual game they paid money to get into, and that just shows how well the Matildas have done. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it is quite crazy how far they've come. Um, but I, I have got a couple that... Yep, I've go for it. Thought over time. So I've, I've, I've thought of two. Yep. Um, for another a women's sport, I've thought of a few years ago, I think it might have been 2020, mm. um, the, when the Australian women's cricket team won the T20 World Cup at the MCG. Yep, yep. Uh, and they, I think they got 80 or 90,000 there or something like that. And... Um, and against India, and that was that was a pretty big spectacle. They had you know, they had Katie Perry mm. in that. I think that sort of really put women's or women's cricket in particular kind of on the world stage. And the funny thing about that event, Nathan, uh, was as well, that was, I think, late February, early March 2020. Uh, that was just before, that was really the last big sporting event we had in this country for a while, just before the COVID lockdown as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I do remember that. And what's yeah. your other one, mate? Um, and my other one is uh, a few years ago, the 2013-14 Men's Ashes Series, when so up until this point, England had sort of dominated Australia the last couple of Ashes Series. They'd, they'd won in Australia previously, and then Australia came back mm. home and sort of blew England out of the water by mm. nil. And I don't, I don't think... England have won a test match on Australian soil since. 
And that, I think, was the Mitch Johnson series where he really uh, played yeah. well, where people people weren't sure, were they, Nathan, about him before that series, but they were quickly converted. He was fantastic that series. Yeah, the, I remember at the Gabba, the Gabba in um, the Adelaide Oval, he blew England away. Mm, mm, fantastic. Mate, great call. Uh, go and get some sleep, but feel free to call any time, mate. No worries. Thanks, mate. Thanks for the chat. You too. Enjoy your Monday. You can join Nathan on the open line, one 1170 Text coming in. This one uh, from the Oval Treeman says, Hi, Dan. Being a quarterfinal, it doesn't get to the top of my list of the greatest Australian sporting moments, but would be in my top five. Still reigning Cathy Freeman, the America's Cup win, and Cadell Evans' Tour de France win at the top. Interesting, though. Okay, so you say that's in your top five. We're talking great Australian sporting moments today because a lot of people have said the Matildas win on Saturday. Some people saying it is the greatest, some saying it's uh, up there. Yeovil Truman, text me back. If the Matildas are to go on and win on Sunday, and that's uh, still two games to go, would that then go to the top of your list? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Great Australian sporting moments. Where does Saturday night sit with you? 0457 736 736. And if it's not top of your list, tell me what is. one 736 And if you were there on uh, Saturday night as well, we'd love to hear from you. We'll get back to your texts in a second. But at 21 past five, it is time to do this. Now on Tradies, the NRL wrap. Yeah, 21 and a half past five. All right, let's have a look back at round 24, some of the key results. Now, probably a fairly easy weekend to tip on paper. Uh, I say that because I got eight from eight. We'll speak to Chris Perkins, by the way, tomorrow in America. I don't know what he got. Uh, maybe he did get eight from eight. We'll find out. Uh, so let's go through the results. We already spoke on Friday morning about the Panthers' 24 points, a 12 win over the Manly Sea Eagles. Good win by the Panthers, as we said on Friday morning. Manly. Probably their season. Look, mathematically, they can still make the eight, but probably their season done. Friday, the Sharks, 36 over the Gold Coast Titans, six. Good win by the Sharks. Um, and after a bad month where people were starting to talk about where the Sharks are in terms of the competition, they've, well, they've, been what, they've done what they needed to do. Beat South Sydney in a really good performance. And the Titans, uh, although inconsistent, and probably their final series was done and dusted before this match. They can always be a little tricky. We saw that a few weeks ago against the Cowboys and the Sharks. There would have been a lot of talk if the Sharks hadn't have won that match um, against the Titans. And the fact that they managed to score 36 points, only let in six points, uh, pretty impressive from the Cronulla Sharks. So they'll be happy with that. Um, not so good for the Parramatta Eels. Brisbane Broncos 54, Parramatta 10. Uh, before we get to the Eels, the Broncos... Uh, they are 100% the real deal this year. Now, that's not saying that they can ha that's not that's not going to say that they're going to go all the way and win the competition. I still have Penrith as my premiership favourites. But right now, if you look at all the teams inside the top eight and probably the one or two that can still make it from outside of the top eight, Brisbane are the most likely, I think, that can beat the Penrith Panthers. The only thing, the, maybe the only question mark I have around that is finals football, a lot of these guys, not all of them, but a lot of these guys haven't played a lot of finals footy uh, to date. So maybe experience, well, definitely experience will be on the Panthers' side. But the way the Brisbane Broncos, whether you like the Brisbane Broncos as a club or not, you can't doubt that the way the Broncos play football, just so entertaining, really, really entertaining. Uh, for mine, they are the team right now, and I know there's still three weeks of the regular season to go. There's a long way to go between now and grand final day. 
But if right now um, you're asking me who can beat Penrith, Brisbane is at the top of my list. Don't know if they will, but I know they certainly can. Uh, Eels, um, we talked about it, didn't we, about three or four weeks ago uh, when they went on that magical run uh, in that middle part of the year and everyone thought they were back and they were. But I mentioned it and they and a couple and there's a couple of other clubs that you can probably say this about too. The Roosters probably being another one of them. Those games they lost early on in the season by two, four points. Always thought it might come back to haunt them and I think it is now. They've had a very tricky run into the finals. They do have a bye coming up, which gets them to 28 points. But the remaining couple of games, uh, I, I just don't know if they're going to be good enough to make it through to the finals, especially now as it seems that Mitch Moses will be out for the rest of the season as well, uh, which is huge for the Eels. We know how important he is to that Parramatta side. Um, they'll keep fighting, no doubt. They've got a home game this weekend but on Friday night, but uh, I think that might be their season done and dusted. If you are a Parramatta fan, I'd love to hear how you're feeling. I mean, there's question marks on a couple of the clubs that have probably underperformed this year, but the Eels last, year, grand, last year's grand finalists, more than likely now not going to make the top eight. Um, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01170. Eels fans, how are you feeling about your season? Not over yet, but uh, is on the brink. Very, very close. Saturday, the Rabbitohs 26 over the Dragons 14. Look, the Dragons uh, fought hard. Again, I thought South Sydney, uh, look, they were the better team, but they still need to play better than that um, if they are, firstly, if they are to make the finals. And if they are to make the finals, they've got to play a lot better than that. We know they have the potential to do just that. But I thought, again, uh, there were elements of good play, but for mine, still a little clunky um, for South Sydney. Certainly not. Uh, playing nearly as well as they were earlier on in the year. And certainly not in my frame of mind. Look, I don't write them off about winning the premiership yet because I think we know what they can do. But in my mind, they need to play a lot better than that. Uh, 26 points to 14 over the St. George Illawarra Dragons. They did what they needed to do. They got the two points, but uh, they need to start clicking and they need to start clicking into year pretty quickly. You would think if they're going to threat any of, uh, be a threat to any of the top teams. Uh, now, Warriors 30 over the Tigers 22. Like most of the country in Australia, I was watching uh, the football. Did have one eye on this game. Look, the Tigers fought hard. I saw Tim Sheens in the post-match press conference say that they're finally getting the team that can... Um, be a real uh, challenge for teams next year, can really build on what they have achieved at the back end of this year. And it has to be said, look, they haven't won many games recently, the Tigers, but they've been competitive in the majority of their matches. And to be competitive against a Warriors side that are playing very good footy in New Zealand as well is no mean feat. Uh, the Warriors will be happy they've got away with that victory. Uh, but interesting comments from Tim Sheens. Do we think the Tigers will be better in 2024? Look, They've all been playing together for a whole year. I know they do lose Luke Brooks, but I'm sure they'll be more competitive. And they have been over the past three or four weeks, but still not good enough to get over a Warriors side, 30 points to 22. Uh, on the final match on Saturday, Roosters 30 over the Dolphins 14. Bit of a slow start by the Roosters. Dolphins uh, got out to an early lead, 8-0, and then that try just before halftime for the Roosters uh Got them back into the match. And then the second half, really dominant by the Roosters. Uh, Billy Smith, I thought, had another fantastic game. I thought Drew Hutchinson was really good at halfback and has been for the past couple of weeks, being uh, somewhat of a steadying ship for 
the Roosters and has let Luke Keary, and well done to Luke Keary on his 200th match, has Luke, let Luke Keary play more of his natural game. Uh, I suppose the big question mark for the Roosters, Sam Walker came back in uh, to New South Wales Cup yesterday and from all reports played well, uh, played the first half. Uh, I think he set up a couple of tries. Do the Roosters roll the dice as well as Drew Hutchinson has been playing at halfback over the past couple of weeks? Do the Roosters roll the dice and bring back Sam Walker for their match on Friday night against Parramatta? It's a really intriguing one. I think two or three weeks ago, uh, if you asked a Roosters fan and they said, if you're still in finals contention, do you bring back Sam Walker if he's fit? Most of them would say yes. Now I just wonder if there is a little question mark on whether they want to disrupt something that seems to have been working for the past couple of weeks. But there is no doubt that Sam Walker would add a lot of creativity that the Roosters have been lacking a little bit. Interesting uh, decision for Trent Robinson to make over the course of the next few days. I would not be surprised if he names both Drew Hutchinson and Sam Walker in the squad and then we'll make the decision a little later on. And can the Roosters still make the finals? Two wins in a row. They've got Parramatta, and then the Tigers, then South Sydney. They need to win all three, but they're three winnable matches. Um, look, it would, I still I, I still find it unlikely, but they are, have hit some kind of form. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. Uh, Storm, 48, Raiders, 2. And we talk about teams that may slip in, uh, go into the top eight, slip out of the top eight. Gee, the Raiders, you have to have question marks around them. Um, that was a very good performance, firstly, by the Storm. Well done to them. But, gee, the Raiders, just just question marks on them. And you look at the top eight right now, and the for and against, their for and against was woeful coming into that game. Even worse now. 48-2, to two, the Storm over the Raiders. Ricky Stewart not very happy at his post-match press conference. Uh, the Storm... Good win. And then the Knights, 42 over the Bulldogs, 6. Well done to the Knights. Another strong win, but uh, a question mark now in Jackson Hastings picking up that injury. Uh, saw NRL physio last night say if it could be, potentially, maybe three, four weeks out, maybe longer. They're doing well, the Knights, but can they continue that without Jackson Hastings? Um, the Bulldogs, again, pretty poor, but the Knights, very good. Um, it does get a little trickier for the Knights after yesterday and over the next few weeks, but they are at home for the majority of their rest of the season. Um, and looking like they're going to cement their place in the top eight. But with no Jackson Hastings, who knows? Um, it is a trend. It's wish Jackson Hastings all the best, and let's hope uh, it's not too serious because they need him out on the field. Now, the ladder with three rounds to go. So the Panthers and the Broncos lead the way on 38 points. The Broncos, it has to be reminded, though, do, do have a buy in hand this weekend. Uh, so technically, if you want to be technical about it, they are leading. But anyway, we'll go with it. Panthers 38, Broncos 38. Then the Warriors are on 34. The Storm are on 32. That's your top four. Then uh, the Sharks are on 30. The Raiders are on 30. And the Raiders for and against a minus 120. The Knights are on 29. The Rabbitohs on 28. Now just outside of the top eight are the Cowboys on 28. The Eels on 26. The Roosters on 26. I think after that, you can pretty much write the rest of them off. Uh, the Seagulls, mathematically, still a chance on 25. The Titans, 22. Dolphins, 22. Bulldogs, 20. Dragons, 16. Tigers, 12. But I think the only team's really a realistic chance of getting into the top eight, outside of the top eight, clearly the Cowboys, 
the Roosters would probably be the second favourite outside of the Cowboys. And the Eels, not completely done with yet if they could beat the Roosters on the weekend, especially as they have a bye. Round 25 kicks off on Thursday night. Cowboys-Sharks, really important match for both of those teams. That's up in Townsville. Then on Friday, the Warriors will play Manly at 6 p.m. Then the Eels play the Roosters at 8 p.m. That is a huge match for both of those teams. Then Saturday, the Tigers up against the Dolphins at 3. The Titans will play the Panthers at 5.30. And the Dragons will play the Storm at 7.30. Then on Sunday, the Knights play the Rabbitohs. Huge game for both of those teams. And then the Raiders play the Bulldogs. Really important match for the Raiders on next Sunday or this Sunday afternoon. one 1170 Any thoughts on the weekend of footy? Just gone. Great Australian sporting moments. Where does that Matildas win rank for you? Would it change, if it's not top, would it change if they win the World Cup in six days' time? Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, though. And if it's not at the top of your list, give me some of the, your other great Australian sporting moments. one 736 On the other side of this break, we'll get to your texts and we will speak to John Gallo. It's 27 to 6. It's 22 and a half to six. Going to have a chat with John Gallo in just a second. Just a couple of texts, 0457 736 736. Or you can always call the open line, 1300 1170. This from the Radelaide Rooster. One of the things we're talking about this morning is it was reported over the course of the weekend that the Dragons are going to put a bid in for Joey Manu if he's still off contract come November 1. And it will be potentially an interesting choice for the Roosters uh, do they keep Manu, who's 27, at fullback, or Teddy, uh, who's been so good for the Roosters for so many years at fullback and then risk losing Manu, even though Tedesco will retire before Manu? Really interesting choice. This from the Radelaide Rooster. Morning, Dan. I feel it's time for Joey to step up into fullback or we may lose him. Teddy is such a team player and would probably stand down or even retire just for the Roosters or slip, in, slip him into the centres or even the wing to keep him in the mix with his leadership. Cheers, the Radelaide Rooster. Yeah, going to be interesting what the Roosters do. Tricky one for them. No doubt they want to keep Manu, but uh, Teddy, such still a good player. He's been playing very good football as well over the past month or so. Uh, and this from Steve, the Collerton Bulldog. Morning, Dan. I hope you've had a great weekend. My best performance over the weekend, Mackenzie Arnold, Gold Star. Worst performance, my Bulldogs. They put on one of their strongest teams of the year and dish up uh, rubbish like that. Uh, Witches hats had better defence than some of our Fords. It was embarrassing. That from Steve the Collin and Bulldog. Yeah, I expected, look, I tipped the Knights, but I expected a better performance from the Bulldogs uh, yesterday. Didn't get that. Uh, 21 to 6, time to do this. Now on Tradies News, it's time for the latest in football. John Gallo on the line. He is another wonderful Bulldogs fan. You would have loved that performance against the Newcastle Knights yesterday. Morning to you, John. Oh, what a joy it was, wasn't it? It's been a 10-year plan. It's taken about 50 <laughs> years to get to, to work. But it's still that development, though, Dan. That's the key. Where we always hide behind the word development. And uh, Queen of Gus, it's, it's, it's going to get worse before before it gets any better. That's for that's sure. That's what he's pre-warned us about. So, uh, yeah, very bad performance. Terrible result. Uh, but, you know, when you put in that kind of defensive effort, then uh, yeah, I've got to agree with uh, with the listener. You kind of get that kind of performance. It is embarrassing. And uh, we've been getting that for a while now. And it just seems to be, uh, you know, from bad to worse every single week. So where do you go from here type of stuff? But anyway, that's part of uh, part of being a Bulldogs fan. Yeah. Yes. Now, let's get on to something much more cheerful. The Matildas Saturday night, I said at the top of the show, just an amazing event. Uh, 
peak uh, viewing audience 6.2 million, average 4.17 million, and that's not including people that were out and about, and there were a lot of them. I was at Allianz. Uh, I had uh, the Matildas on the phone, as did a lot of people either sitting in the chair or they were at the concourse. The Dolphins scored a try, but the whole crowd roared because it was the same time as the Matildas uh, won the match. We saw similar scenes at the AFL uh, on Saturday night in the Carlton Melbourne game. The live sites ran right around Australia. What a, just a fantastic night and one of, maybe not the greatest yet, we'll see if that happens over the next week, but one of the great sporting moments in Australian history. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, Sam Kerr is still stepping up for a penalty as we speak, Dan, because the penalty shootout <laughs> it did go on. a long but, time. Uh, it was, it broke, it broke their world history, mm. actually, for men's and women's World yeah. Cup. So there you go. But uh, look, that was fantastic. 20 penalties taken all up. Obviously, Matilda's got over the line, 7-6. to six, And it was a, an unbelievable achievement for, for the Matildas. I mean, what an effort it was. Uh, obviously, having the fact that they have never actually gone to a World Cup semi-final looming over their heads going into this game would have you know, created a lot of nerves for all the players, coaching staff and, and football fans alike that sat in that stadium and cheered on the Matildas. Uh, I think Gorry was absolutely brilliant in that midfield again. Van Egmont, Cooney Cross, uh, Mary Fowler, brilliant. And uh, Hayley Russo, of course. But you know, Sam Kerr came on and when she came on, I think she really lit up uh, the attack for the Australians as well when she got on the ball. At times, I don't think she got on the ball enough. I think she went missing for a few moments there. But I think the, the fact that she hasn't played a lot of World Cup tournament football really showed in the end. But I think her influence and her presence on the field could be felt, that's for sure. But uh, what an effort from, from the Australians. I think we deserve to go through. When you look at the balance of chances we created, Mary Fowler a couple of times, gotten really good opportunities. Hayley Russo, we probably should have led about 2-0 at half time, to be honest. We created some really good opportunities, but just failed to, to capitalise. But uh, you know, well done. There were periods that we had to really weather the uh, the storm from the front and French attack. They really came at us, particularly the, in the beginning of the uh, second half there. But uh, we did a really, really good job. And uh, as I said, the Matildas really dug in and, and got the job done on penalties. And, and well done to, to everyone involved. And you could see what it meant to the coaching staff, uh, everyone in tears after the final whistle, after the, the final penalty by Courtney Vine was taken. It was very nerve-wracking, but a very historic moment for men's and women's football in this country. And I think it really shows how far Matildas have gone coming into this uh, World Cup semi-final. You are right. It was a bit of a weird game, wasn't it? Because the, France, I thought, probably had uh, better of the play over that first 15 or 20 minutes. And then it was even out in the first half. And then the second half, for the most part, Australia had a lot of chances, probably uh, at various times, as you said, probably could have been uh, leading a lot earlier. Um, so that that is something. Obviously, they'll be disappointed they didn't finish those chances, but they'll be they'll take a lot out of the fact that they created so many chances against such a good side as France. And we'll talk more about the England game on Wednesday, but leading into this game against England, which will be massive. Yeah, absolutely. When you've got you know the European champions to face in the semi-final of the World Cup, it, it doesn't get much bigger than that. And obviously, the the rivalry that goes between Australia and England and all sports, you know, it's like the Ashes number two version happening right now for football. And obviously, you know, I think for the Australians when they go and analyse the, the match video, uh, you know, this morning they'll be looking at some of those missed opportunities that they had against France earlier on the piece. So that will be a talking point, I've got no doubt. They probably could have been a little bit better up front, just executing some of those uh, opportunities to put the game away. And against England, a very good England team. Uh, obviously, no Lauren James for them, but I think a very good England team. You're going to have to make sure you take those opportunities when you get them because they're very far and few in a World Cup semi-final. So that was probably the little asterisk of the Matildas' performance. But other than that, 
Uh, it was really superb. So, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to. Are you impressed with how well, and let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but how well they've handled the pressure? Because, look, no doubt having the crowd behind them on uh, Saturday night would have definitely helped them. But there would have been a few ner- well, more than a few nerves, knowing that not just the, what, 50-odd thousand that were there at, uh, in Brisbane watching the game, but also how many people would have been watching around Australia. There would have had to be some nerves, as I'm sure there will be, on Wednesday night. Yeah, well, you do hear, you know, Tony Gustafsson, he comes to post-game press conferences and, and match interviews, and he, he talks about the togetherness of the side and how united the whole side is, you know, in the cause in each and every game. And I think they've really worked on the mental side of things. I mean, obviously, when you're hosting the country, you know there comes the added pressure. Uh, but I suppose they've handled the media very, very well. They haven't given too much away. They've been trained behind closed doors as well certain times. So they've been really doing a good job of just trying to block out the noise as much as possible from the media and just try and control their own little environment that they've got going on at the moment, which is we're working wonders. So if they can continue on doing on that and just sticking to themselves, I think they'll do very, very well, the Matildas. They'll let the football do the talking, and so far it's, it's been fantastic. So I think the, the mental aspect has been something they've addressed already. And you could see with the penalties, I mean, previous times that the Matildas have got to that stage where it comes to a penalty shootout, they've fallen behind. And, and you could see Chloe Lagazzo on TV. She was in tears after the post-game, talking about how much these players have worked on penalties and how much in the past World Cups, when they've lost from penalties, it's affected the team mentally, but how much they've grown since that time. And, uh, yeah, fantastic achievement for the Matildas. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and it all leads to Wednesday, I notice. And I said earlier on the show, I'm sure this will be the same in Queensland. There'll be live sites right around Australia. I know in Melbourne, for example, they're opening Amy Park in Sydney. Allianz Stadium, Combank Stadium will be open. It just goes to show, uh, and we've been talking about it, haven't we, John, that... Um, I don't think anyone thought that... I think everyone knew the World Cup would be a success and people would get behind it, but not just with the Matildas as well, but just the crowds uh, that have been to basically every game, especially here in Australia. It has just been uh, fantastic. Looking forward to Wednesday in that game against England. And England, as you say, uh, they won 2-1 over Colombia. They had to uh, come from behind. They uh, led in the first goal, but 2-1 in the end. And they are last year's uh, Euro champions as well, the reigning Euro champions. So won't be easy on Wednesday night for the Matildas. No, it won't be. That England team were very impressive as well. As you said, World Cup semi-final, they came back from 1-0, got back to 2-1 and, and held on to the lead. I think the Colombians will be a little bit uh, yeah, disappointed that that first goal uh, that they let in from England, Jorn Hemp, scored it right in front of the goalkeeper's mistake. You know, the, the goalkeeper bundled the ball and the player was there to, to put the ball away in the end. So it was a little bit of a soft goal from a Colombian perspective, which allowed England to grow in confidence and obviously find the second goal uh, shortly after half time, but uh, yeah, look, I think England are going to present some big challenges going forward. There's no no doubt about that. But with no Lauren James against the Aussies, uh, she's one of the world's best players in women's football. I think that's going to hurt the English a hell of a lot. Uh, but uh, out for suspension, obviously, from the stamp in the Nigerian game a couple of games ago. But uh, yeah, I think England are going to be difficult. There's no doubt about it. I think Australia are going to have to take their chances when they come, and I think they have to defend very very well the Aussies. As will the English too. The English will be very wary of how well Mary Fowler, Halle Russo, uh, Van Egmont in that midfield, Gorry, and, and obviously Sam Kerr added to the to the equation. There's so much attacking prowess now with the Matildas. Mm. Uh, this is a really once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the Matildas as well. Now, running short on time on uh, going through all the Premier League matches, so I'll just run through the scores and get a really quick uh, review of everything. Man City 3 defeated Burnley nil. We saw Arsenal 2 over Nottingham Forest 1. Crystal Palace defeated Sheffield United 1-0. A one-all draw between West Ham and Bournemouth. 
Uh, poor old Luton Town uh, went down 4-1 in their first Premier League game uh, against Brighton. Uh, Fulham defeated Everton 1-0. Uh, it would be a bit worrying for Everton after last season. Newcastle 5 over Aston Villa 1. Brentford and Tottenham overnight had a 2-all draw. And Ange Postecoglou's first game as manager. And Chelsea and Liverpool had a 1-all draw. Still one game to come tomorrow morning at 5am between Man United and Wolves. In about 60 seconds, John, wrap up the first weekend of the EPL. Well, a lot of draws when you look at Bredstone and Tottenham and Chelsea and Liverpool overnight. But I think well done for Ange getting on the scoreboard. I think they play some really good football. Nothing surprising to see Man City get over Burnley 3-0 and Arsenal 2-1 against Nottingham. Some shaky ground for Arsenal the last five minutes of the game. They were cruising 2-0 and then 2-1. Bit shaky. Newcastle United for me, the surprise packet. 5-1 against Aston Villa. Many people have tipped Villa to be the top six this year. I think you've got to put Newcastle United possibly the top four team after that performance and result. So for me, I think Newcastle United, so far the winners of the weekend, um, I think really good performance. Chelsea and Liverpool was a really good game as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Man United and Wolves can dish up tomorrow morning as well. So yeah. it was Gary O'Neill's first job in the Wolves job, so it's going to be a tough one for him. But uh, yeah, Man United will be interesting. John, great stuff. You're going to do some overtime for us this week as well. We'll chat on Wednesday morning and get a full preview of the game against England. And let's just see what happens after that. Very exciting times. We'll chat in 48 hours. Okay, mate. We'll talk soon. Thank you, mate. John Gallo talking all things football on this text here just before we go to a break. Uh, gentlemen, Oztam TV ratings do not include those watching at outdoor sites, pubs, clubs, stadiums and live sites all across the country have thus far opened and more are opened uh, to be open for Wednesday night. Correct. It is uh, ludicrous to compare the amount of people watching Matildas versus those who watch AFL slash NRL GFs or State of Origin because the Matildas annihilate them. And uh, it's not even close. The Cathy Freeman and all Melbourne Cups are 10 minute events, uh, whilst the France quarter final was a 2.5 hour event. It's chalk first cheese stuff. The Socceroos and Matildas are the clear number one and two most popular sports teams in Australia. Networks are going to need to cough up the big bucks of the next TV deal to reflect this giddy up. Thank you for that text. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. It is 1026. Five and a half to six o'clock here on SCN. Good win for the Swans over the weekend, 114 to 90 over Gold Coast. Uh, we saw GWS go down yesterday though, to Port Adelaide, 136 to 85. And Carlton, eight wins in a row, beating Melbourne, uh, 60 to 56. Just some of the highlights from the AFL across the weekend. Chookman says, hi, Dan. Doing a Bradbury, a Bradbury became a thing after his gold at the Olympics. Australia too was huge back in the day. Any boss that gives someone the sack for not going to work today is a um, Joey Manu not going anywhere. And Yeovil Treeman's been back in touch. Hi, Dan. If the Matildas were to win the World Cup, it's going to be a toss-up to be number one with Cathy Freeman. The similarities would be strong with both wins being on local soil in prime time and part of a hugely successful global sporting event. Let's cross our fingers and see what happens. Thank you for your company today. The Breakfast Show is coming up. We'll wrap up a huge weekend of sport coming up right after the 6 o'clock news. I'll be back tomorrow across to America and speak to Chris Perkins. Have a great Monday. Breakfast is next.